Hello and welcome to the Limitless Podcast with me, Joshua Patterson. I'm passionate about sharing the stories of courage and resilience. Each week, I will be interviewing extraordinary people from all different walks of life who saw past their statistics, who turned personal moments of adversity into strength. My hope is that this podcast can inspire you to step outside of your limits and achieve things you thought never possible. Welcome to Limitless. Before we welcome today's guest, I want to say a massive thank you to the sponsors of today's episode, Sweaty Betty. I launched this podcast to celebrate people's incredible mental and physical strength, which is why it's such a pleasure to work with a brand who champions these moments of success. Helping you to feel your most powerful, Sweaty Betty's products are designed by an all-female team, including their power leggings, which are made from high-stretch fabric engineered to last and have the ability to motivate you to move and feel strong in your workouts. The Sweaty Betty team also wear test their products themselves, which really makes you realize how passionate they are about building an authentic female activewear brand. So for any female listeners out there who want to check out the brand for themselves, Sweaty Betty are offering 20% off using the code LIMITLESS at sweatybetty.com podcasts. They also host hundreds of free workout classes every week in their stores. So definitely worth keeping an eye out on how you can get involved with the Sweaty Betty community. Thank you so much, Sweaty Betty. Today I'm joined by a man who's achieved a new world first by doing a marathon in every country in the world. 196 marathons in 675 days in honor of a friend with terminal cancer. A man who sacrifices everything for others. Financially broke, without a job or home, he's the happiest he's ever been. Today, I'm so happy to introduce to you Nick Butter. You finally here, ma'am. Yes. Yes, (laughs) Nick Butter is here with me today. I feel so privileged and I'm just so invested in what it is you're doing. And for me today, I just, you know, I hope we can share as much of what it is that you've been through, what you're going through, you know, and what you will go through in the future. So to start it off, you are very close to becoming a world record holder. Yeah, very close now. So I have, I can't believe I'm saying this, 24 days until I cross the finish line. Touch wood, fingers crossed that that's what will happen. Set off in... In January last year, January the 6th, 2018. But what was the target? To those that don't know who you are, what's the target? The target is to become the first person to run a marathon in every country in the world. And how many is that? So that's 196. Yeah, 196 marathons in, in every country. Um, in 674 days. So I've had those magic numbers in my head for so much, so much of my life. And like I was just saying to you off air, that we we have like this amazing trip that I've been going through and it's been completely mind-boggling. But there's there's two years of planning before even starting. And so this is basically a four or five-year mission to do this thing. Um, and I'm now 24 days away from, from doing and it. And have you always been an endurance-based athlete? Have you always been invested in running or is this a completely new venture? So... Not a new venture, and I think the right phrase would say I've always been invested in sport and kind of doing the the abnormal things. And when I was in school, everybody would hate cross country, and I would be the one that loved it. And so I guess my story is, when I was very young, uh, I did my first marathon distance when I was uh, eleven in a school event, 
which was which is incredible. But I, yeah, that was obviously hard. And then after that, you grew up, and I was in really fortunate to be in the under nineteen snow sports England ski team. Uh, and so I was a skier. Skiing was my life. My my goal was to be in the Olympics, and skiing was this. And I dedicated a lot of pretty much the whole of my youth to, to skiing. And then ultimately, the reality is, is that I wasn't I wasn't good enough to get there. But also, I kind of changed tack a little bit, and I had the voice of my dad on my shoulder saying go and get a real job, son, because, you know, you can't be a skier because even if you are a successful skier, you're going to be done by the time you're 24, you know? And so I thought, hmm, okay, good point. After that, I then got a real job uh, in banking. So that's not me. And if you speak to my old bosses, my old friends that, are, that I'm still friends with now, they will say that that's not me either. And I was a right rebel at work because I just, I, I just didn't, I just didn't like what I was doing. You weren't invested. But the, I, no, and the, the, but the draw of the money, you earn the money and you think, yeah, this is, this is going to be good. And then it's, you're selling your soul. And so I needed to go and have a release, which was running. And so I would take up some running and a little bit of cycling as well. But running was my, my natural sport that I loved. I took that jump and basically said goodbye to any money and hello to poverty on the road. And honestly, mate, it is the best feeling. You can pay me all the money in the world to go back because I have completely found me. What I love to do, the amount of people in the running world, and again, any listeners that are runners will know the running community is so special. Everybody is... Wow, yeah, it's powerful. It is really powerful. The people out there. And so, I, yeah, here I am. So united. The yeah. one thing that I experienced when, when Ben, my friend, and I did the Berlin Marathon together is the unity. Yeah. It's so powerful to see so many different ethnic backgrounds coming together. Yeah. And everybody nobody helps. cares about politics. Yeah. No, nobody cares about the, you know, the, the past, present or the future. All they care about is the person that's running alongside yeah. them. And it's a mutual respect of the sacrifice, the determination and the passion that's gone into that very race. It's just the support for one another yeah. is magical. When do you think you had that light bulb moment where mm. you sat there and just went... I need to do something yeah. that no one's ever done before yeah. and came up with the idea. Yeah. Okay. So that it's, this is a very powerful story to me and the most powerful thing that's happened in my life. So I ran um, several, four or five years ago now, I ran in the Sahara Desert, the, the infamous Marathon de Saab race. So it's a week long race, um, 281 kilometers my year. And I was in a tent with seven other people and my brilliant coach, Rory, he put us together and we were racing out in the desert. And I met this guy called Kevin, Kevin Weber. And he is ultimately my sole inspiration for this journey, along with the other people in, in my tent. And he was one of these bubbly characters, really happy and almost, and I've told this to his face, it's almost annoyingly happy, you right. know? And I was like, oh, what's going on with this guy? And I then chatted to him on a really tough part of the race as we were kind of slogging it out in the heat. And he, uh, he he dropped the bombshell on me that he had terminal prostate cancer. And at the time, he was 49. I was, oh, how old was I, 24, something like that. And I didn't know anything about prostate cancer. Um, and he didn't before he was diagnosed. And the words that he said to me, and this is what I say to all the schools and the people that I go and talk about, he said, don't wait for a diagnosis. He said, don't wait for something to happen in your life to realise that life is short. And that people say life is short, you don't know how short. You don't know whether it's going to be tomorrow. You're not going to get to retirement. It's not a guarantee. And I, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it because those words just went around and around and around in my head. And then I didn't think, oh, I'm going to do something for him. I'm, I'm going to you know, change my life. And I remember, distinctly remember speaking to some of the organisers of the race afterwards. And he said, oh, was it a great race? And I was like, no, I hated it. It was horrible. I had a really horrible time because it was a, it was a hard race. Um, and so I went home feeling knackered and disappointed. I actually broke my ankle um, and crutched, uh, crutched the last 40 miles of the race. 
Um, you crutched the last <laughs> yeah. 40 miles of the race. Yeah, and so much so they wanted to take me out of the race, um, but I refused because I, I was there, I'd paid the money, I'd trained hard, no way am I going to stop. And it was ultimately the the biggest switch. It was a combination of Kev, the the tough getting through that pain, and then I was like, you know what, let's have a chat with Kev a bit more. And I spoke to him, I, I did some research about prostate cancer. It was completely underfunded. 11,000 men die of prostate cancer in the UK, which is now more than breast cancer. So more people are dying of, bre- of prostate cancer than breast cancer. And we have a fraction of the funding. And so I said, yeah, let's try and do something. And I didn't think oh, I'm going to run around the world. I just wanted to do something to raise some cash, you know, for this amazing guy. And then it spiraled because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this properly. And so I spoke to some of my sponsors that I had at the time running wise. And I said, can I just take a break and, and go and do something that's not been done? Um, and they were like, yeah. And so I was originally going to do something along the lines of seven continents or something that was much shorter than two years. And I then came up with this and researched it. No one had done it before. Um, and my calculations of how much it would cost and how long it would take were wildly wrong. <laughs> and I remember sitting down in, the, in my living room with my parents and I said, I'm going to do this. And they looked at me as if to say, you're going to do this, aren't you? Like It was the shock in their eyes that they thought, right, he's, he's determined to do this. And if I'm honest, I had no idea if I could, but it was the, the want to do it and I've nearly done it. The thing is, how, so many factors that come into this, financial, like mm. how do you even fund something like this? Like, were you, were you, are you, have you had sponsors backing you? You know, so, that, that's a very, like, yeah. how much does it cost you to yeah. this point? I'm very happy to talk about it because I want to, I want to kind of make everybody aware that I think people believe that I've got sponsors and they're just paying me to go around the world on a a brilliant holiday. So the answer is the trip, uh, I have 48 sponsors and it sounds incredible, but 90% of those are in the category of what I call giving me some free socks. You know, they they want to be involved. They really believe in it, but maybe don't have the budget to, to, and if they did, they maybe would give me more, you know, lovely, really great sponsors. Um, and then I have the people like like Do Sport Live um, and Pro Direct Running who have worked with me for for many years on my running career. And as a brilliant the owner of the company is just fantastic and the way that they work. And they basically said, look, we don't really want anything returned. Just like here's a little bit of cash. Here's some clothes. They do give me all my trainers through, through Adidas and, and all of my gear and they'll help me. And Red Bull are involved and some of Nike as well back in the early, early days of the planning. GoPro, you name it. And brilliant. But the trip is costing me probably by the time we finish, probably close to a million. Yeah. Because they, they're giving, I mean, in total, probably probably about 45, 50 grand. How are you affording a million? It's costing my money that I had from old work, my house, my car. Uh, so you sold everything? Sold everything. Um, I still have a car, which is about 1,500 quid. <laughs> so so literally, literally everything's literally got, I'm completely broke yeah. yeah completely broke and I borrowed money off family friends and there was I won't name her because I don't know if she wants to be named but there's a brilliant woman who was listening to a, a, an interview I did just before I left and she followed my journey she put me up uh, in Barcelona and she's actually going to be at the finish line and she donated a, a hefty amount of money to help with the trip but it was honestly just a random person wanting to support this thing. Um, and I've had a couple of people like that, which I'm so grateful for. But I do want people to know that if you if you make a decision to go and do this kind of stuff, you have to realise that you're in it completely. Being able to go to sleep at night and it, honestly, the, the, the times I've gone to sleep and I literally just come from somewhere in, uh, in Tuvalu. Um, so one of the tiny, tiny islands in the Pacific Ocean, uh, so small that I did my entire marathon around the runway. Wow. So I believe it's the first time anyone's done that, which is quite cool. An entire marathon around the runway, I went back to sleep and I was exhausted and I got into a bed full of uh, bed bugs. 
Uh, and I couldn't sleep anything else. And I had 59 bites. And you say the, the physical, the emotional, but it's all the little bits around the outside. that I'm sat on a plane. I had a, a 15 hour journey and then an eight hour journey to get back to the UK to pick up this passport, which is why I'm in the UK now. And I was just itching and, you know, and that's really, not, really not a good, yeah. a good way to go. It's the endurance. This, this thing is endurance in every angle. It's dealing with the emotions. It's dealing with the finance. It's dealing with the running um, and just the overall relentlessness of the trip, which I'm going to be most proud of when I finish. We're w one year, nine months, 11 days today. And I, I, you talk about people. I always say to people, what day is it? And they go, oh, Wednesday. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What day is it? It's, it's 650 day. It's, it's today is 650th day of the trip. And the longevity is something that I hadn't comprehended. But if somebody asked me recently how I, I would sum up the whole journey in one word, and it's not all of the, the hardships. The one word is people, because I have been completely, and I'm finding it really hard to articulate it, and I'm going to have to because of the, for the book. But I don't understand how... I had so many amazing people help me along this trip. It's not just the team. It's not just the people that already invested in me. It's the random people all over the world that go above and beyond. I've had a guy that has, has ridden with me on a bicycle and he was not fit to ride a bicycle in 50 degrees without any training whatsoever just because he wanted to keep me safe. I'm a big advocate. And again, what I've, why we've got this big speaking tour next year around all the schools and the theatres is because I am... I basically want to just shake the nation into doing stuff that they're passionate about. And even if that is just making a change in their life that gives them some form of improvement, you know, whether it's just spending more time with your kids or, or taking up that pottery class or whatever. And when I speak to kids and they say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm, I'm like, yes, that's fantastic. And then I speak to some people. I'm going to go, I'm going to study business at university. And they're excited about it. And I say, OK, so what are you going to do with that? And they're like, oh, I really love art. So go and do art like you've got to follow that and you've got to go above and beyond and you've got to put yourself in a position where you're broke. Like when you've got to put yourself absolutely all out. And I I love that a bit about the trip, because if it was completely sponsored by somebody else, it wouldn't feel the same. But I just hope that people do realize that they are limitless and they can go and they can go and just break those boundaries. Would you say it was tougher? The logistics pre setting off for this challenge, or would you say actually the challenge itself? The logistics during the challenge. So I think it's a bit of a combination because at the beginning, I was naive. You know, I, I believed I was I was planning it well, believed I budgeted it well. I believe we had every angle covered. And to be honest, I was completely wrong. Everything was out of, you know, I thought we'd maybe get through three or four passports. Maybe we'd need 40 or 50 visas. We've got 110 visas and 10 passports. You know, just in just in two years, that's alone. And I was budgeting maybe 220 flights. That was our kind of standard figure. I've now done over 400 flights um, and all of those little bits and pieces that that add up to be incredibly challenging. However, the running element is something else, because I like you, when you did Lands to John O'Groats, you had that lull. I have that lull throughout the whole trip and during each marathon because I'm thinking, oh, I'm all right. I'm OK. I can do this. I can do this. I can get to the end. And then you think, actually, no, yeah. Even though I've done hundreds of ultra marathons, a marathon is still tough when it's 60 degrees and you're running at 14,000 feet in Bolivia. You know, it's um, and it's all relative. So in a sense, you can't even prepare for the runs that you're doing. No, not at all. Because the reality is, is that the terrain, you know, as you said, the weather is, 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 is yeah. forever going to change. Yeah. 
So I guess it's just one of those things where the only thing you do have in the bank, I guess, is the endurance and the ability of yeah. running the marathon. Yeah, your mind, you're in your mind, in your body to go, you know what, I'm going to just do this regardless of what happens. And there's little things like if if I have to go and get over a border or do that something, it's you just you go all out to get it done. And at the beginning, if you'd said to me, oh, do you think what are the animal problems going to be like? I'd say, oh, well, I don't want to be, you know, attacked by gorillas in Rwanda or something like that. When the reality is dogs have been one of my biggest issues in the whole trip which you think oh that's okay but you're running a marathon through all sorts of places and for example in uh, where was i i was in the marshall islands one of my first islands in the pacific ocean and there were a packs of 20 to 40 dogs surrounding me and so i had to abandon my run a mile and a half in and come back and i did 335 laps of the car park just to get the run done because the dogs were just too dangerous. So much so that when I arrived in the hotel, the hotel receptionist gave me a stick and said, you'll need that for the dogs. And I kind of laughed it off like, nah, it's not going to be a problem. Um, It was a problem. And I've been bitten by a dog. I've been chased. I've had all sorts. So, yeah. That's crazy. I love to run. I love to travel. I am not sitting around. And so when I cross that finish line in Athens on, on November the 10th, I will probably cry and I will probably have the most amazing relief of it's done. And I'll be proud because because I put everything everything into it, and what comes of it will come of it. You know, it's and hopefully hopefully good things. So, is it starting to take its toll on you though? I mean, oh, it is. you know, yeah. you don't look as tired as I thought you would. <laughs> you know, I think what's what's super interesting here, and I think a lot of people from from you know in particular like an endurance based background or just runners. Well, you know, the nutritional side of things that go into this, the, the, you know, the training, the rehab, you know, what do you yeah. do? Like how, how much food must you have to consume every single day? How much water do you have to drink? Water's big. Yeah, water has been, and I don't drink booze. I don't really drink coffee. I don't kind of, my diet's average. But being in, so I lost, I lost 11 kilos in, I think it was like 16 days in, in Africa. So when I hit Africa, everything just went because I I was so tired. It was so hot. I was having to mentally look over my shoulder and be more aware. And and that's draining. People say to me, oh, you must eat a lot of food. But I can't. I want to and I need to. But I physically can't because I'm either on a plane or, you know, you go through and you think, oh, fine, I'm through now. I'm at the gate. I'm just going to get on my plane. You think, oh, no, I don't have any food. And I'm on a plane for 15 hours, you know, and then I've got to go and run again. (laughs) And so... Some days, especially coming up, I've got to arrive, run and leave in the same day. Wow. And where's the room for eating? Where's the room for doing my stretching and all that sort of stuff? And to be honest, I hardly do any stretching. I hardly do any warm downs. I hardly think about anything nutrition wise. I just any food I get, I eat it. And any time I'm not running, I try and be as still as I can just to try and save the energy. So the reality is you've, you've essentially built a tolerance yeah. subjecting your body to harsh realities. Yeah, pretty much at the minute. Yeah. My argument to that is, from a professional point, you never would want to preach that to anyone because that's not yeah. a healthy way to go about no. it, you know. And and the argument is, there's probably not longevity in doing oh, it. Oh, not at all. I remember starting, you know, juggle, and my chair mm. didn't fit me. I I was mentally in a really dark place. I almost pulled out two days prior. I had a ganglion cyst on my wrist, which was causing me so much like annoying mm. pain. Like it's not it's not a big deal, like in terms of injuries, but it's just, it's a frustration, oh, especially yeah. when makes, I'm flicking yeah, yeah, it makes a, a wheel, yeah. you know, a thousand times a and day. It's those things. It's those things that make all of these trips, that amazing things that people do that makes it special. And, and you know it because you've done it. And, and I know other people that have done other things. And it's all the little things like the chair not fitting. 
You know, it's that stuff that you will always know that that's why it was hard. The chair didn't fit properly and I've well, my wrist hurts and it's that stuff. You know, I was sent a pair of trainers because um, I've got through 15 pairs of trainers now and I was sent a pair of trainers at a particular point in time and I really needed them because the other ones were completely worn out um, and they were a size, two sizes too small. I didn't have a choice and so I had to run. <laughs> I think I ran six or seven marathons in trainers that were too small and it's just a tiny little blip in this two-year project. But it was horrible. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. But it, I guess it's just that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think it gets to a point, like I said, where you just go, stop making excuses and yeah. just do it. Yeah. In the end of the day, you're going to subject yourself to pain, but it's pain that you have, you've chosen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. it's temporary. Yeah. It's not going to last forever. Yeah. It's frustrating, but it's not actually going to prevent me from doing this race. In theory, yeah. the only thing that's going to stop me from doing this race is if I allow my mind... To take over and go, enough. Yeah. yeah. And you haven't we've, done that. We've had a lot of times like that along the trip where, I mean, really really recently. So this is a very different stage of the trip for me because we're so close to the end. And we have 12 countries. We've got the likes of Syria, Libya, Yemen, Iran, Sudan, places that are difficult to get into, difficult to be safe in. And we've had places say, look, you know, you can't come into this country. That's, you know, your, your, your visa's not been approved or that meeting's not happened. We can't get your passport on time. And it's very easy to slip into that. I'm already exhausted. I'm already knackered. Oh, sod it. We're not going to be able to do this. Like, or, or let's just extend the date. You know, I'm knowing I've got people that are going to be there in Athens. That has to be the finish line. And so with the help of many, many amazing people behind the scenes, we've been able to overcome that. But ultimately, I still have to get up and... And, and keep going um, when I don't want to sometimes and it's a learning from your failings it's going you know what I did that in the desert I, I've done that before I understand what that takes and so you can continue um, but yeah it, there's, so, there's so many elements to it and I think that's so important that you said that is that you've got to learn from past adversities yeah. and mistakes and actually utilize them to become your motivations yes you know because ultimately it's compelled you to do what you're doing yeah, now absolutely I mean in terms of running it doesn't get bigger than what you've done mm. Do you continue running? Do you, is the next challenge actually away from running itself? And it's actually, like you said, it's it's writing the book. It's raising more money for charity. It's the motivational talks. It's connecting to communities that aren't having the investment. So, I mean, the answer of what next, there's a lot to say. So, uh, because I'm away for two years, it's not like I go and do something and I bury myself in that 20-day trip and that's it and then I get out and then I think about other things I've got two years of my life so I have to think about this stuff and the majority of next year is going to be touring and, and speaking and trying to earn some money back for myself and for the charity and to share the message like really enjoy taking all of my souvenirs we've got like literally boxes and boxes of souvenirs that I've been sending home that I want to put in front of kids and go yeah that's a prayer wheel from Nepal like that's what it means this is and educate them that way and kind of inspire them to go and do stuff so that's that's a big thing of next year at some point in my life, I'd like to go and do some other challenges, do some mountains, do some oceans maybe. But in October next year, um, with a very good friend of mine and a trainer and a production company, we're going to produce a mini documentary and I'm going to replace it with going to the gym, eating healthily, learning about nutrition and fitness correctly. Because honestly, I don't because I've not had, I mean, I, I, I do much more than others, but I don't as much as I should probably. And I'm going to use those 50 days to get as strong as I possibly can and then start running again and stop and see what happens and so I'm really intrigued to see what happens in those 50 days whether or not I have my mental ability with that sport or not because I've done it with skiing a bit done it with running can I endure through those 50 days can my body change and then what happens afterwards and so we're going to link up with some universities to do some tests and uh, 
and work out what my body can do because I can't imagine a life after this trip without something like that. You know, and I just think what's powerful about these types of things that you're doing is that it just brings a togetherness of humanity. Something that is, I am so passionate about is that I have been, I will have been to every country in the world by the time I finish this and seen places and ran 26 miles in countries that sometimes don't have 26 miles of land. So I've seen lots of places, but really I haven't really touched the surface. There is still so much out there. And when I speak to people that I say, oh no, I'll, I'll probably go and yeah, I might do that next year. It's like, come on, we are so we have our time right now. And using Kevin's message of don't wait for a diagnosis, I use this special number when I speak to speak to people, and it's twenty nine thousand seven hundred and forty seven. That is the average amount of days that a British person lives for twenty nine thousand seven hundred and forty seven days. And I get people to get their phones out and calculate how many they've used, and scare them into realizing that. Like life is so short and we have this enormous privilege of being relatively hugely wealthy, hugely healthy, how we have all of these connections and we are not making the most of our time. There are people that are completely content in their life, but there are a lot of people and arriving into London today and watching the, the ants commute on the tube, fine. But a lot of those people will want to do something and aren't doing it. And so I really, really hope that people listen and just We've got one life. We've got this time. Go and do stuff. So I'm not going to stop doing stuff. I'm going to keep doing it until I've literally squeezed everything out. Looking at the bigger picture of the world, it's it, we've just got such an incredible opportunity right now. This is our privilege. Um, just use it. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I hope that more people listen to this and feel compelled to I do it. So. What I would love to know is what, what are some of the the greatest moments in your trip on reflection? So uh, I think most of the moments involve really amazing people. And I remember in uh, El Salvador when I turned up around with all these kids, like a thousand kids um, and like, amazing, amazing people. And then I ran in Guatemala uh, around a, an erupting volcano, um, ran through these beautiful fields in Honduras. Um, and, the, you know, just the classic, classic places like, you know, Rio and all over the world and then running through the mountains in Mongolia honestly the 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 scale of I had actually I've kind of topped and tailed the trip with with oceans and I've kind of had this bit in my book which I'm writing about called the ocean my friend because the amount of times when it's easy to set a marathon route if I'm on my own or if I'm with a small group of people that's around by the oceans so honestly the sea has been like my, my my friend because I've been able just to run along the coast and it'd be and it'd be amazing but all of the trip if I've had all of my amazing moments involve amazing people. There isn't one of them that isn't made perfect. By I stayed with this incredible family in Dubai, just a five-piece five family, and they were just so kind and they opened their home up to me. And I've stayed with literally hundreds of people in hundreds of different homes all over the world. And they all involve people going above and beyond. Yeah. Do you think you've come away with a different outlook on on humanity life and and the planet itself yeah yeah i i again it's kind of cliche but without sounding over dramatic it kind of feels like i've been reborn because i was in like this tiny little part of my world in in the uk and I, i've traveled a lot but still you you still come back to that bit and now i've seen like the middle of lagos market i've seen these tiny islands in tuvalu in in the pacific like tuvalu and uh in Nauru, where these people just have no like no context or perspective of the rest of the world and so i feel like it's almost a map and i've colored it in and i can now understand bits and I understand race and religion and culture and that's what i talk about in the schools because it's education is completely like travel is education there isn't any way about it but i've learned a lot 
I mean, it's an expensive way to be educated. It's very true. <laughs> it's very, very... Although... But I guess all education is, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, uh, it never comes cheap. You get some photos out of it too. They're free. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> just the memories that you've created, though, is, is just yeah. remarkable. I mean, you know, arguably you've done more in the last two years than some people may do in a, in a lifetime. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Do it for somebody else if you can. Yeah. You know, I think that's just such the, you know, such a powerful thing. What platforms can they connect with you yeah. on, you know, reach out to you, speak to you, you know, follow your journey? What platforms yeah. can you give them where they can donate? Because that's ultimately the most yeah, important that's thing. that's the big thing is absolutely. And I want people to come along on the journey to be inspired. But ultimately, it's about having this conversation about prostate cancer. So number one, the easiest thing to do is just to Google my name and you'll see the Just Giving page and my website. So Google Nick Butter which is spread, which is literally like Nick, Nick Butter, as in bread and butter, Nick Butter Run on Instagram. That's my account, Nick Butter Run. Or the Just Giving page is Nick Butter. Uh, I think it's Nick Butter Running the World 196. So the whole trip is called Running the World 196. If you Google that, you'll see everything. This isn't just about running, actually. It's, the, it's not. It's, it's, yeah. it's the, the, the running is... It's, the, it's, the, it's kind of my means of transport. It's, it's what I love. It's what I do. But it could be cycling. It could be skipping. It could be pogo sticking. But it's the... It's the journey. It's the big thing. Well, I think if you look at it, it's it's the running that people can resonate with. Yes. Not the mindset. Yeah, yeah. And actually the running is the vessel yeah, to actually yeah, communicate yeah. The, the, the bigger picture. And I just think, you know, not even just, a, you know, a young student's point of view, I think any human yeah. in this world to listen to you yeah. and, your, and your journey, Thank I think you, can can have nothing but the most amazing effect on them. Normally at the end of these conversations, on reflection, I love to ask the individual what they're grateful for and if they can give thanks to someone because I think acknowledging those around you that have enabled you to get to this point in life is I think is a really key thing the problem with you though bud is that you've been doing this for two years now (laughs) and you've got 90 sponsors so to ask you that question doesn't seem like it's going to have a short answer unfortunately not though there's there's so many people out there I think let's let's say let's go for for one company one person one person it has to be Kevin who I'm doing this whole trip for he's got he's got prostate cancer he's dying he was given as little as two years to live and he took the time to kind of shake me into realizing that, that life is is worth living and you think some people may think I'm just kind of preaching for the sake of it but I genuinely want to do that to other I want to be shaking everybody else that's listening to this to wake them up so Kevin I have to thank for that and he's completely changed my life. In terms of uh, businesses and, and sponsors, I've had so many people that have helped in so many ways. Um, but uh, Do Sport Live, which I've worked with for many, many years, they are the nicest people. They don't ask for anything. I have no contract. I don't have to do anything. That I'm doing it because we work well together because they believe in what I'm doing and if you speak to the owner of the company um, he is the kindest most enthusiastic person about stuff so uh, about just energy in life so do sport live honestly I cannot thank you enough for coming on this podcast man honestly it's such a privilege and on November 10th yeah November the 10th you are going to become a world record holder yeah yeah. So you've heard it. Please, guys, go go follow this guy's page. Please support him and let's please all come together. If we can do one thing, if it's a pound, 50p, 20p, yep. it doesn't matter what the donations are. Please go to his his giving page and let's, let's help him achieve this. He's done so much for people and I think it's time that we all come together and now do something for him. Thank you so much for having me today. And, uh, to, yeah. to an exciting future, man, and to many more celebrations. Likewise. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Limitless. This podcast is something that I'm so passionate about 
and would love it if you would let me know your thoughts and opinions by leaving a rating and a review in the comment section. It really helps me to spread the word. If you think this story might resonate with someone you know, then please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes every Thursday where I'll be talking to more inspirational guests who have seen past their limits. Until next time.